you. Let's stand it.
heard that one. Uh, you girls always pick good ones, good songs to honor the Lord. Thank you. Very good. Galatians chapter 1 this morning. Galatians chapter 1. Wait, we got through January. Here we go, church. It's going to go by really quick. A lot to do. A lot, to, a lot of ways to serve our Lord here in this new year. First Sunday of February. I want to talk about our great privilege today as Christian people. People know the Lord and you know you know the Lord. Is to preach and propagate the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it. Uh, such a one as I get to go out and tell somebody about Jesus. Such a one as you. Just uh, not very long ago, although it might be 20, 30, 40 years or more for somebody sitting here today, that you were lost and undone. You didn't know anything about the grace of God. And then the Lord came in your life, saved your soul, changed your life. And uh, that can happen to somebody else. Just, um, just somebody passing you by, somebody that you uh, know a little bit, an acquaintance at work, or somebody you've known all your life that uh, they're not in yet. Just keep telling them about Jesus. Keep preaching to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was on Paul's heart, for God had done so much for him. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, the Bible tells us, I marvel, Paul writes, that you are so soon removed from him that called you, Unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which has have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And we said before, so I say now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. But now I am persuaded of men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, help us in this service to recommit ourselves to the preaching of your gospel. Pray that you shake us up, Lord. Stir our hearts. Help us to get off our seats, Lord, of not doing much for the gospel and start doing what you told us to get it to all the world. And Lord, uh, show us, Lord, the seriousness of these verses and how one day we'll all stand before you and give an account of these verses and our life since you saved our soul. Help us not to get sidetracked with this and that. But Lord, more diligently than ever, help us to give out this great good news of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, here we're reading in Paul's letter in the first century to the church, and he's mentioning here right from this very start a warning about false teachers about false teaching of those that would pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. The etymology of the word, of course, the word gospel mentioned many times in the New Testament means the good news, good news that Jesus died, was buried, rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Mark writes in verse 1, uh, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, 
Paul writes in Romans 1.15, as, as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Now, you know, when he wrote those verses, he knew he was on his way to death. But he said, as much as in me, as much strength as I had, I'm ready to go, ready to go to Rome. We need some Rome also Christians today. No matter what's going on in your life, you're, you're going to give out the gospel. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 17, For Christ sent me not to be baptized, but to preach the gospel, not with words of wisdom, lest the gospel of Christ be made of none effect. It's not about us. It's not about our style. It's not about our, our soul-winning uh, prowess. It's about the power of God on the gospel. Because so often the gospel goes out the truth of the gospel goes out, but there's no power with it because sometimes our lives are interrupting that power by grieving the Spirit of God. Philippians 1.5, For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, Paul is commending those at Philippi because they got the gospel out. This word gospel in the book of Galatians, which we're looking at today, is, is, is mentioned no less than 12 times. It's mentioned 113 times in your Bible, this gospel, this pure gospel of Jesus Christ. And all God asks you and I to do, we that have been saved, we that have been, we've escaped the judgment of God in hell, is to teach it, to preach it, to proclaim it. It's not asking too much. The gospel is the good news from God to man. That's what Paul said. He mentions his, he's my gospel. He mentioned, Paul's saying, let me clarify this. I didn't write it, God gave it to me. I didn't come up with this idea. God came up with this idea. God is the originator. He is the designer of the gospel. What a, what a, what a God. What a gospel that changes lives. And so the basic meaning is giving out the good news. Um, the gospel declares great and loving act of God toward mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's the gospel. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul said, for it is the power of God into salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. This gospel. Oftentimes we hear about the gospel, but the gospel is not preached. We hear about the gospel, but the gospel is not presented. But we talk about it. We use the word a great deal. The gospel is the news of pardon and peace to all who will receive it. The gospel is a powerful thing. Uh, Paul mentioned the, the gospel. He used a word uh, uh, that means dynamite. If you were to look up the word, it's powerful. It explodes. It, it, it pushes away every uh, facade. And he, he makes sure to say, not this other gospel, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. It changes lives. It's powerful. It's a free offer from God for those who will hear it and those who will receive it. It's, uh, it's something that people can understand. Oftentimes when you and I meet a stranger along the way or knock on a door and try to tell somebody about the gospel, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of, uh, uh, we're, not, we're not good uh, with talking to strangers. But if you look at the New Testament, the church was a stranger to everyone and the this new message was strange to everyone, but God told those men, you go out there, preach the gospel to every creature. You go into all the world and preach the gospel. And if they would have just said, well, I'm not real comfortable with talking to strangers. I'm not real, 
that's not my thing to knock on someone's door and talk to them about religion. I just don't see that. Well, then this gospel wouldn't have been propagated and come to me or come to you. We need to just be obey God, not think too much about it. Just obey God, not what we feel or what people behind the door may feel. Or, well, I don't think it's good just to approach people at their own dwelling. Well, that's not what the New Testament church did. They went house to house. And they shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not old-fashioned. It's not out of date as so many churches and so many Christians think it is today. No, the gospel is powerful. This is powerful now as it was back then. The problem is us. We talk ourselves out of it. We, the propagating of it, the preaching of it, the teaching of it. We have so busy schedules and People don't want that kind of a presentation anymore. All that baloney. The gospel's powerful, and we're told to go and do it. You know, we get so excited when we have missionaries in and they do it. We think, well, oh, look at they did. But you know, everything they did, we told them to do it, taught them to do it. Thing is, they're just doing it. We wouldn't even support one would come through and say, well, I, I'm going to go over there and kind of uh, stand around and stay in my house and just teach Christians that I know and we wouldn't even think about supporting somebody like that. But turn that thing around and they come to churches over here and they see a bunch of people that they preach to and they wonder when they stir them up for the gospel if they're even listening. You know, our missionary was here last Sunday night. He, he tore me up. He really did. He said a few things that I haven't forgotten. We get all... We get all uh, busy with our own lives and what we want to do, where we want to go. We forget that there are men and women, boys and girls that are on their way to hell. And we need to present the gospel to them. I don't know if you caught the line about us worrying about our remodeled bathrooms and kitchens when people are dying and going to hell. Maybe some of that money that we're spending on ourselves so much ought to go maybe to more gospel effort. And I'm not scolding anybody if you give to missions and you get to do those kind of things. That's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think of so many people that don't do much for God, don't say much about this gospel, then that's the problem. I'm talking about the pure gospel today, and it's our responsibility. And listen, it's our privilege to be able to tell somebody about it. It changed me. It saved me. It saved my family. How could I not tell somebody else about it? There's only one true gospel for us to heed, Paul says, and herald. He says in verse 6, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ into another gospel. Of course, this is talking about the early church and how so quickly Satan had come in and those of Satan that had infiltrated the church and got them to, on another gospel. Not of the same. They infiltrated. They, 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 they uh, diluted the gospel. They, they come in to change the gospel. Wherever the gospel was being preached back then, in homes and dens and forests, wherever the church was assembling, Paul knew, and he was sharing with them, there are some that have come in that are not preaching the true gospel that would damage. Listen, it's so important. He said, let them be accursed. And he mentions it twice. Boy, that's, that's pretty bold. That's pretty serious. 
And I think today we, we think that the cults are just another church group. No, they're dangerous. But what about us that have the truth? But we never share it. We just come to church. We sit in the same pews, sing the same songs. And we could have a mission conference and we're all excited about that. We could have an evangelist come in and we have a few people say we get excited about that. But listen, what about all the other opportunities that are passing us by? Because we're just not getting the gospel out. At this new year, we got so much to get accomplished. I was thinking the other day, I really wanted to challenge the church this summer to really, when it's warm out and nice, we can get out and get in the parks again and do door work again and do, uh, do propagating the seed again and, and grow. God rewards our work. All those things we try to do, we try to stir it up. But, you know, we're kind of sitting saying, well, it's winter. We'll wait till it gets nice out. We'll wait till spring. And then we get so busy with all those things we want to do when it's spring and then it's summer, and then it's over. <laughs> the gospel's now. The opportunity's now for us to preach the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. And we, Paul's warning this church against false teachers and false gospels, but we have the gospel today, but yet we're not giving it out. He says in 1 Corinthians eleven nineteen, For there must be also heresies among you, that they which approve by many may be manifest among us. In other words, he's saying you'll detect the truth from the false when these false teachers would be coming in. And I don't believe this church is so grounded, so sound, amen, that I don't believe anybody could get in this pulpit and try to preach another gospel without you going, wait a minute, that's not right. And you'd be the first one to meet me and say, Pastor, there's something wrong with that guy. You need to talk to him. Because you know. But what good is that to us to know all this but never share it? Is not that a perversion of the gospel? Its meaning is to go forth. It's good news. Let's tell the good news. We can get on the cults and everybody for the way they mishandle it. But what about the way that I mishandle it? You mishandle it by never bringing it up. 1 Corinthians 15, 12. Now, if Christ be preached that rose from the dead, how some say among you that there be no resurrection of the dead. If you heard that, you say, wait a minute. That preacher you had in preacher was preaching false gospel, false truth, heresy. You see, the Sadducees back then, they didn't believe in the resurrection. And they picked it up like that. 2 Peter 2, 1, and there were... False prophets also among you, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even the denying of the Lord that bought them and bringing in themselves swift destruction. So all through the New Testament, starting here in, in the Gospels and in the Epistles, we're, we see warning of false teachers and people will, will disrupt the propagation of the Gospel. But we come all these years and I wonder, what, what are we doing with the gospel? The good news. The gospel's true, Paul says, because it's not the idea of man. It didn't come from man, it came from God. Verse 11, he says, I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. He's making that clear. And neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, 
but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hey, I'm standing up here tonight or this morning saved and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, not because I did it. God made sure someone came in my life and shared the gospel with me. And that gospel, that good news, it, 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 it convicted me and convinced me and it changed me. And that could happen to somebody else if I'll take that gospel and good news and share it with others. Oh my goodness. It's not our gospel. It's Christ's gospel. But he's placed it in my hands to deliver it to someone else. Think about those that you work with. Think about those next to you at work. Maybe you, you sit at the same lunch table with. I remember back when uh, my wife and I first got married and uh, God was dealing with me about the ministry and I worked out at a horse manufacturing plant out there in Belleville and I'd sit in the lunchroom with those gentlemen and I'd have my brown bag lunch and they'd have theirs and, and I'd begin to share the gospel with them and they, right, they started calling me preacher right away. You know, we're afraid that somebody's going to call us something or think ill of us or not want to. Listen, Listen, we are responsible to share that gospel with those that we work. I don't care if you work in a factory or if you work in an office. The gospel should be preached. It should be brought up. Look for opportunities, coffee breaks, after work, inviting them to like the hunter's banquet and things like that. That is our job. Think about it. If the gospel was from man, then... Like man, it would be frail, frail and faulty and suspect and unreliable. But it didn't come from Paul. It didn't come from us. It didn't come from man. It came from God. And it's God-like, the gospel. It is authentic and it's trustworthy and it's powerful and it's reliable. And it will change people's lives that you know still. But we got to get it out. We can't put it in a napkin and bury it in the ground like Jesus did talked about. So many times we see and have opportunity, but we don't. Jesus, or Paul wrote in Romans 1.1, 1, 1, 1, 1, Paul writes, a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle. Listen, <coughs> separated under the gospel. That's an interesting word, separated under the gospel. It means to be set aside on purpose. It's like your tithe. You take it and you set it aside because it belongs to God. Well, you know, the gospel is God's and he set us aside to deliver it. I'm separated under the gospel. So are you. God is its author. Again, it, he's the originator. He's the inventor. He's the source of this gospel. It's a revelation to us. It has nothing to do with religion that man may come up with. It came to us by God's good grace. And I think of this so often. Why me? Why me, God? Why did you save me? Why did you change my life? Why did you let me go into your service and get to be full-time, quote-unquote, at it? Why? Just God's grace, God's goodness. I'm not going to sing this song. I couldn't sing it like this guy sings it, but I like the words. You'll know when I say it. Uh, the writer says, The gulf that separated me from Christ my Lord. It was so vast the crossing I could not ford. For where I was 
to his domain it seems so far. I cried, dear Lord, I cannot come to where you are. Here's, he came to me. He came to me. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. That's why he died on Calvary. When I, when I could not come to where he was, he came to me. Now, I like the second verse. That's my favorite verse. It says, he came to me when I was bound in chains of sin. Remember that? Remember when you were so full of the devil? Remember when you were lost and undone? Remember you were, your life was so uh, uh, shackled? He came to me when I possessed no hope within. You weren't even thinking about ever being a Christian, being saved, having a life like that. He picked me up. He drew me gently to his side where today in his sweet love I now abide. Oh my goodness gracious. I guess what I'm trying to do is get us all to remember that this great gospel, this good news, and how much it changed us. How can we not get out here and get that gospel out to all we can again, to stir us for more souls? You know, we, we had some professions of faith last year. We had some baptisms. Not as much as should be. So we need to stir our own hearts to get this gospel out. Because God came to you and he saved you and he changed you. Paul writes in Galatians 1.11 again, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which is preached unto me is not after man. So we know it's going to work because it's of God and only of God. First uh, Corinthians 15.3, For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And, and I don't know, I, I thought, he says, For I deliver unto you, for, which I also have received. Maybe there's someone here you haven't received it yet. My friend, you need to receive the gospel. That Jesus died for you on the cross of Calvary. That he was buried. That he arose again the third day according to the scripture. This is not our idea. This is God's word. According to the scriptures. And that same gospel will save you. And change you. But you've got to receive it. You can't just hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it and not receive it. And that happens. I've seen too many people get saved after years of preaching, and finally one day they say, well, I've always wondered, and I just wanted to make sure I got this taken care of. We'll do it now. Right. Believe on Christ now. Amen. So Paul knew this was not of him, but of God, and he was so sure about it, he was so adamant of defense of the gospel that he shares these thoughts with these church at Galatians. Why? They were under attack. Why? There were infiltrated false teachers among them. But I'll say one thing for the first century church. They did their job of getting the gospel out. As hard as it was, much persecution as they faced, they got that gospel out. But I want us to remember today that in these verses that we read this morning, there's a strong censure to us if we preach not the gospel, if we fail in our task. He says uh, in Galatians 1, verse 8, But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than which we have preached, let him be accursed. And then he says it again. Now, we say, now wait a minute, that censor is, is for, for those that don't preach the true gospel. I get that. But again, I remind you, how will God feel when we know it, but we do nothing with it? How will that be? Someday. 
we read about this perverting of the gospel. This word pervert means to corrupt or turn or twist, to manipulate. It's akin to the word rest in the scriptures, to twist or distort. But he writes and says, let him be accursed, and he says it twice. That's strong. Because the Lord knew that these infiltrators were, were diabolical. They were deadly. They, were, they would distort the truth of the gospel and others would not be saved. The gospel is not baptism or penance or good works or keeping the law, new moons, dietary laws, all this stuff. But I wonder, you know, yesterday... I was out making visits. You see people in the elevator, you hand them a gospel track. You're in a room with somebody and the person next to them, you give them a gospel track, talk to them. And uh, I think sometimes we wonder, is it, is it really getting anything done? But you know what? I have seen God take that gospel track and speak to the heart of that individual that got it in the next hospital space I have seen people walk away and as you think they might trash it they walk away reading it I gave a gospel tract the other day to an Indian woman and I didn't I, didn't, I just did in my mind thought well I don't know. Yeah. and I actually saw her walk away a few steps stop and began reading that and I thought praise the Lord I don't know you know, we're in such a thing today where it's cold, it's wintertime. Some come out every once in a while and join for soul winning or door knocking. Others, so many other things get in the way. Along the way of the week, maybe we can plan to speak to someone for Christ. Someone that passes us by. Someone we may make an appointment with. Um, don't look around and say, well, nobody else is doing it or if I, had a, if I had somebody go with me, I'd do it. Well, God gave you the gospel. If we declare it, it's good news. But we look at these people who Paul was so, the church warning them, don't let this happen. The gospel's so important. Don't let others come with another gospel. Don't let them pervert that gospel. And if they do, let them be accursed. To God would say in our day, it's okay, church member. Don't give it up. It's not that big a deal. You know. I don't think so. We must get this gospel out. The gospel, here's my next point, must be preached. Look at verse 8. He says, uh, but though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel. Then he says, verse 9, as I said before, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, he, he mentions verse 10 now, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I speak to please men? Am I, do I, am I really trying to worry about what men think, right or wrong? He says in verse 11, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, neither received it of man, neither was it taught it by the, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Jesus revealed it to us. He put it in our hands, and it must be preached. He says in verse 23, But they had... Um, but they had heard only that he which has persecuted us times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed. You know, that news got out really quick. Paul was the, the enemy of the church and the gospel. 
And then, but that news got out that this guy that was such a hater of the gospel, he is preaching the gospel. Has that news ever got out about you? We used to have a young guy in our church years ago. Many of the old timers would remember him. He was a real zealous young man for God. His name was Mike Miller. And Mike was such a bold witness for Jesus Christ. Sometimes too bold. Crazy bold. He'd go up to anyone in any situation and he'd tell them they're all going to hell and they need to get saved. So he needed to tone it down a little bit on that side. But boy, he was a soul winner. We need more of that. We have calms down and got so dignified that we've dignified out the giving out the gospel. So we don't offend anybody. But you know, I think of him, he had this thought, the gospel must be preached. It's got to be heralded. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 2, he went up by revelation and communicated unto them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately unto them which were of the reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. So they were afraid of Paul here in the early church. I mean, he was so zealous and he's preaching the gospel and he's going into the synagogues and I imagine there were some good, well-meaning brothers that went up to him and said, Paul, now you just got to tone it down a little bit. And here's the problem with that. We have done that so much that nobody's giving it out. It's like sometimes in church when we have prayed. Now, don't get too excited. Shh. Last week I preached on the man that could not be hushed. He was brand new. He had to tell somebody. But get him around a bunch of Baptists for a while, and we'll get him hushed. We'll, 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 we'll get it to where people just don't say much anything. And so we've become such a dignified church. But is the gospel being preached? Our souls being saved, our lives being changed. Amen. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 13. Look what it says. You know how through the, the infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. Here's Paul, infirmity of the flesh. You know what he's doing? He's staying home feeling sorry for himself. Had infirmity of the flesh. I just can't, I can't make it out. I can't seem to get the strength to do this or that. No, you know what Paul was doing under the infirmity of the flesh? Preach the gospel. Everywhere he went, he preached the gospel. You couldn't stop him from preaching the gospel. In our day, if Paul would have been sick with something, he's in the doctor's office. You know what Paul's doing? He's sitting in the, in the waiting room and he's reading magazines. Never saying anything to anybody. Is that what you think? Paul wasn't interested in Sports Illustrated or Time or U.S. News and World Report. You know what Paul would have been doing? He'd been sitting over to somebody and said, Hey, my name's Paul. What's yours? Yeah, I had to come to this doctor. I got to get some tests. But by the way, anybody ever shared the gospel with you? How come it doesn't? Register with us that when we're in dentist's office and doctor's office and when we're in, in certain places that we have to be that we don't have more readily a burden to say, oh, by the way, can I give you this gospel track? Or let me, hey, I, you know, you see people the way they dress sometimes and you can tell that a guy's a hunter. He's got a camouflage hat on, you know, he came in with, man, having those cards with us. We say, hey, you're a hunter, aren't you? Yeah, I love to hunt. Well, we got this banquet. And when you come, you can hear the gospel. So what I'm trying to say is that Paul, in the, in the church at Galatia, he was warning them about all this bad stuff that could happen. 
about those that would pervert the gospel. Reminding them that those that didn't handle the gospel right would be judged of God. And we're not perverting the God. We know the gospel. Backwards, frontwards. But if we're not propagating it, giving it out, inviting anyone, doing anything with it, what good is that? The gospel must be preached. And I think Paul is such a great example. Think about this now yourself. Going through whatever you're going through. Do you ever look up and see somebody else that may need the Lord? Amen. We've had some soul winners in our past through this church, and they just embarrassed me to death on how good a soul winner they were and how poor I am. Because they just, they preach it to anybody. Anybody. Three reasons why the gospel must be preached, because we're commanded to. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Because God chose the foolishness of preaching to save people, for after that the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe, 1 Corinthians one twenty one. So people think it's foolish. The point is, do we act like we think it's foolish by not giving it out? We're too embarrassed to say something to somebody. Again, these invitations, great. Some are, I've heard so many good things, but... Man, let's get a half a dozen of them and try again. Try that doctor again. Try that nurse again. Try that coworker again. Try that restaurant that you go to. Whatever, the gas station. Let's get it to them so they can hear that gospel that may change their life. The gospel must be preached. Another reason, if we fail to preach it, then we're hindering it. That's what Paul was talking about. All these people that were hindering, changing, altering Messing up the gospel. Well, what about us who have this gospel but will not hand it out? Preach it. Tell it. I say to the young people, you've been raised up in this faith. Even in our Master Club program, our children, they have to present the gospel. We've had them stand up here and read how they present the gospel to us. That's wonderful. But it would be more wonderful if they did that and then mom and dad were encouraging them and training them at home and being an example that they would actually give out that gospel to somebody. Speak for Christ. Our young people are going to a mission field again this year. Praise the Lord. I'm glad for those opportunities. And because of those opportunities, many of them themselves have ended up on the mission field. But I wonder sometimes if we get them ready for the mission field to go and then they go and they give out tracts there and they sing and they do all this there. That's wonderful. But then they come home, but no gospel here. It'd be great to see some of our young people giving out the gospel here. Amen. But they're going to have to see people like us doing it. Leading the way, showing the example. Getting the gospel out, it must be preached. We know the gospel, backwards and frontwards. But there are a lot of people that we run into every day don't even know one bit about it. The gospel is intended, we know, to be delivered to all. To all. Going to all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, it says. But is there an urgency about me and about you to get that gospel to everyone? That we're praying. This next great gospel outreach for this church is coming up on the 17th. I encourage you, 
get those invites out. Make those appointments. Call that person you've invited 50 times. Call them 51 times. Uh, I was at the doctor the other day. Stopped by to get a vitamin B12 shot. Well, I feel so good after I get those. And I'm leaving, and in comes Steve and Lori Everett. I said, hey, how you doing? You know? After I left there, I thought, you know what's great about this? Brother Hector goes to that doctor. Robin used to work for him, and Robin's wrote, written letters to him and witnessed to him and the co-workers there. And I've had a chance to talk to Dr. Aga myself, invite him to things. and I'm going to come. I'm going to come, but not come. Hector's talked to him. Now Steve is going to go to Dr. Aga. And I thought as I was going to my car afterward, I said, man, there's another gospel witness for Dr. Aga. You know what's so exciting? I'd like to see Dr. Aga get saved. He's sitting in this congregation someday with his family. So how does that stuff happen? By giving him the gospel. Not by just going to him and say, hey, doc, I'm not feeling good here. And then the doctor will say, well, how's everything going in your life? Anything new? No any good news? Oh, what an open door there. We don't say nothing. My blood pressure's up a little bit. You got any pills for a sore back? The guy needs to be saved. So it's like now we got a team. We have a gospel outreach team. If I was a missionary writing a letter like Daniel over there, I could be writing and say, please pray for me and Brother Cooley and, and my wife because we're all going to Dr. So-and-so's and we're all going to try to get that guy saved. But we would write a letter and say, oh, we never mentioned anything about the gospel when we went to the doctor's office. Because that's where we are sometimes. The gospel's been given to us and God wants us to give the It's like we talk about money. God gives to us so that we give it out. And then the idea is, no, most of the time we get the money so we can put it in our own pockets. But what about the gospel? God gave it to us to give to somebody else, not to give to us. And then when we're sitting in the doctor's room or a dentist's office or at the grocery store, we just keep it to ourselves. No, 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 don't get that gospel track out of that purse and give it to that, red, that lady at the cash register. She's probably got a million of them. Well, maybe one million one would do the trick. We gotta start getting that gospel out. The gospel is intended to be delivered to all. It's my job, it's your job. Look with me at a verse and we're gonna wrap this up. Look at uh, Isaiah 45. Say, preacher, why are you preaching this on a Sunday morning? We're all good Christians. We need something to feed us, give us something to stir us up. You know what? This Sunday, this Sunday morning crowd is the ones that need to get with it. Amen. We all need to get with it with the gospel. Isaiah 45 and verse 22. Look unto me and be saved, all ye ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. You know what God did? He called prophets. And God in the New Testament called you and I to preach the gospel. That's how they get saved all over the ends of the earth. The other night again, it was such a, Sunday night was a, a, a blessing to me, but a conviction to me. But we see all the work that's been done in just a short period of time because somebody was willing to go roll up their sleeves and get the job done. 
we support a man and a woman like that. I want to be a man like that. You know, it'd be great the next time they come back here that they look around and say, man, you don't have a seat for anybody. This is wonderful. How's this happening? And they say, you know, you inspired us with your preaching and your ministry that we got busy for God. I'm afraid so many missionaries come home and they see the churches deteriorating right before their eyes. And usually a missionary gets a chance on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night to preach in the smallest crowd. And they're discouraged because they go place to place to place. When they come into a church that's got something going on, then they're, they're, they're almost surprised and they say, man, this is wonderful. This is great. I want to be one of those churches that they see growth in our ranks, people saved, added to the church, us doing the job. Now, let me say this, and, and we'll wrap this up. Oftentimes, the gospel is being preached, but it's being preached in weakness. Look what it says in Galatians again. Verse 13, it says, For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. That was Paul's testimony. But he got saved, and he got right at it. He's in the synagogue preaching. He's encouraging the church to go forward for the Lord. He says in chapter 4, and drop down verse 12, he said, Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are. Ye have not injured me at all. You know how that uh, through the infirmity of the flesh I preach the gospel unto you, at the first. So he's re bringing them a remembrance how he brought the gospel unto them. Many of them were saved because of Paul's influence now that are in the church. And he talks about this infirmity. He said, I had an infirmity. Again, preaching and ministering and witnessing is a hard thing to do. Much then tap on top, put on top of that infirmity. But Paul didn't back away from it. He preached the gospel in power. Romans 1.16, for it is the power of God unto salvation. That's that, that dynamite, that's that explosion, that's the thing that changes lives. The gospel, not me, not you, not our influence, not our rhetoric, but the gospel. And again, as we get ready to wrap up today, God has entrusted that to me and to you. And it will work. It will change and alter lives. Because it's powerful. Oftentimes, though, when we go out, if we go and when we go, oftentimes, I think we go and it's powerless because we're powerless. The gospel's powerful. Amen. But you know, if I've got sin in my heart, in my life, I don't have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so when I go to talk to my neighbor or my uncle or my grandmother, or I go not believing that it's going to do anything. When it is the gospel. We need, to, we need to remember today again the power of the gospel and ask God to empower us. We'll do our duty. We'll come out. But Jeremiah, you got a call for me. My wife and I are going to go make a call. And that's great. But oftentimes, 
I wonder if we go with a card and a track and we're almost hoping they will not answer their door. Because we're not into it. We're just doing our duty. But if we went with enthusiasm of heart, excited, what God might do. That powerful gospel. See, we radiate something when we come in. And we come in. We almost talk to people like, we'd say something like this, Brother Bill. We'd say, you, you don't want to come to church, do you? Well, you can't talk to people like that. Because they're going to say, you know, I, I really don't. I'm busy. And we, we don't ask the words like, what, wouldn't you... Wouldn't it be great if you came with me tomorrow? It makes a total difference. But I think people pick up whether we believe it or not. Somebody might say at work, you know, if this guy believed that gospel so much, I wonder why he's never talked to me. I've known him for 10 years, and he's never one time ever brought that up to me. You know? Maybe if we invited him to that hunter's banquet, they would come, and maybe they'd hear the gospel and get saved. But often we go powerless because we think, ah, they probably, they're probably not interested. They probably don't even want to come. Amen? It's time for us again. Paul preached so hard about, listen, if they're going to pervert this gospel, twist this gospel, distort this gospel, let them be accursed. He said, I say it to you again, let them be accursed. And those people that mess with the gospel, God will deal with them. Just like he says about his word in the book of Revelation. You touch my word, I'll take your name out of the book of life. See, God's very serious about this stuff. So how does he feel about me and you when he's entrusted the gospel to us? And we never give it out. When we go, we go out of a sense of duty, and we go with no enthusiasm or want it's almost like, well, I've done this before. Nothing ever happens. <laughs> we have a negative spirit. Right? You know, we've all heard the story about um, um, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. What a great preacher he was. What an orator he was. What a great church he had. Packed to the gills. They had so many people coming to that church when he preached that they'd actually tell their own congregation, don't come back tonight. Leave seats for those that need to hear the gospel. They say the power in the pulpit had to do with 700 men that were in the furnace room on the lowest level praying while he was in the pulpit. And what a ministry they had. You go to England now, it's a relic. What happened? Less and less men were in the furnace praying, furnace room praying. More and more Christians said, no, I'm not staying home. I want to come hear the next message, not caring if the lost heard it. And in time and in time and in time, the gospel did not go forth in power. Now, I just want to say, we're not such a point where we need all these seats. We need to fill them so nobody stay home tonight. Come. But I would ask you to pray for your preacher. I'm glad for those that come ahead of time and pray and pray with my wife. That's a wonderful thing. But from the pulpit to the pew, if we just get that gospel out and get it out in power, don't worry about it. It's powerful. And we'll start seeing some folks come to the Lord. Amen. Let's bow our heads if we would. Every head bowed this morning.